Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my buddy Seth, Seth Robinson. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Good, good. for Friday. Yeah, I am. I just got word that my daughter, who's on a school trip to Costa Rica, successfully landed in Panama City, which is her layover. And once she's she has just a puddle jumper to get to uh, get to Costa Rica. Uh, but she's made it. That was a five-hour flight, and she and her classmates are all there safe and sound. So should be an interesting week with her in the jungle, basically. <laughs> so how many went with her? Uh, ended up being 24 kids. So okay. 24 kids, sophomores and juniors, uh, four adults, um, all three teachers, and, and the school police officer, which mm-hmm. I kind of liked. So each, each adult has six kids, and uh, they'll be there till next Saturday. Um, doing all kinds. Of, it's really a, an adventure type trip. Um, so they're going to be doing all kinds of exploring. They're going to actually work in a village one day to help build something or other. Uh, they're going to go to the rainforest. It sounds really cool. They're going to go zip lining. That's like one of the fun things that they do. They're going to go to a coffee plantation. I mean, it's. I wanted to go. I would have had a great time. Um, the weather too down there is not oppressive as it can be. It's it's really only in the low 80s, so it's not that 90s and the worst humidity on the planet, although I'm sure it's still going to be humid. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you should uh, you should fly down and surprise her. Just show up. Oh, oh she would love that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mom. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, looking forward to the weekend. It's been kind of a busy week here, but uh, wrapping up some stuff and always good to end the week with a volley so of course it is it is well we're going to talk about the olympics today right yeah yeah i've been watching a little bit i i can't quite get into the winter olympics the same way that i can the summer olympics but uh i grew up watching them you know and it's it's a thing for me and um and I think that's what we want to talk about eventually. But I, I know from a technology standpoint, there's there's a lot of new things happening. And certainly to put on the Olympics is a big technical feat. Uh, I know we, we've blogged about that here at CompTIA before. Back the last Summer Olympics, we kind of talked about some of the different projects that are going on. And I know that uh, our CEO and another colleague of ours, James Stanger, that we've had on the podcast before, they were just traveling and talking to some companies that uh, – participate in some of the technical solutions at the Olympics. And it's just, it's quite an endeavor. And it's, uh, I'm sure it's a humongous case study in integration, because you've got all these companies coming in and doing their stuff, and they've got to work with the other stuff. And now there's all this new stuff like VR. Um, But that's, that's one whole side of it, right? Yeah, no, it totally is. You know, you made me just think about, um, you know, running the Olympics from a technical standpoint, it seems to me that over the years, it's always been IBM, and IBM has really plugged itself as the, you know, the technology provider of the Olympics. And I don't think I've seen that this year. Have you, as a former IBM, are you probably aware of it as well? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it either. I'm guessing that they, you know, backed out of that, or at least backed out of it as an official sponsor. You know, they did whatever serious ROI calculus they they would do, and they figured out that. It, it wasn't worth it for them, I guess. I, I still see them advertising at, like, uh, the Australian Open, at, like, a lot of the tennis events, but I haven't yeah, seen them US, on the Olympics this year. Yeah, they do the U.S. Open, I think. I see that a lot, too. But, uh, you know, it just struck me that I don't think I've seen any um, any IBM ads or 
or any sponsorship type of media that's been out there. And that, they, they used to really be front and center and, and plugging that as, as a, one of the marquee things that they do every four years or every two years now is with summer and then winter. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I, it, it, I grew up, I'm that much older than you, Seth, that, that growing up, the Olympics were really a central thing in our household. You know, my dad, my mom, we all, you know, the two weeks or whatever that both summer and winter games are going on. I actually like the winter games more, but I'm more of a, I, I like winter sports a lot. But, uh, I mean, we would just sit, it was, to, to be cliche, it was must-see TV, right? And everyone else was watching it too, so you had something to talk about. It was a shared societal thing, uh, and and we're losing that. I think you know, you know, it's not just that viewership is down, and and it's indicative of just the way that technology has changed consumption habits of people, and how you watch TV or don't watch TV, how you cut the cord, how you view things in snippets on YouTube uh, or other outlets on social media. Um, versus actually sitting down you know, with a bowl of popcorn at night and for four straight hours to figure out who wins at the end of the uh, at the end of the event, and it's both interesting to me, uh, you know, to watch how technology is changing society, and it's a little sad to be honest with you. It's funny that you know you say that we're losing it. I I feel more like it's shifting, and it feels like a loss to me. Again, you know, I watched a lot of it too, like I said, and. There, there are a couple things I think that have really dramatically changed what the experience looks like. And the, the first one is just the fact that we don't need to rely on tape delay anymore. So the Olympics, more than a lot of other events, is one that we, you and I, and people in our generations kind of grew up, you know, used to a tape delay. And we're just, we're going to sit down in prime time. We're going to see, you know, the highlights through the day. We know we're not seeing it live, but we don't have any other option. And spend all day trying to avoid hearing the results too from anywhere. Yeah, that, that, there was no there was no way that the results could be shared, or very few ways. Um, and so it wasn't that hard to avoid them. And so you were sitting down and you were doing it for the first time. And I think for, you know, even, even for me with some things, um, like I'll, I will never record a sports event. Like if it's a Michigan football game, I'm like, no, I just want to know the result. Once it's over, I want to know the result of it. I'm not going to try to relive the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And I, I've done that with the Olympics that even as, if I'm watching something, you know, this past couple of weeks that's been tape delayed, you know, maybe it's curling or hockey or something. And I'm like, eh, I just want to know who wins here. And so I'll, I'll look real quick and I'm like, oh, they won. And then maybe I keep watching it, but it's very different. Yeah, I think it's reflective of attention spans a little bit. Uh, I'm the same way. I've, I've For some of these events, this Olympics, I have just been, I just need to know the, the outcome. I don't need to sit through the whole thing. I find that a little sad, too, because I normally, in in the past, would really be in all-in. Uh, there are some things, though, that I did want to see, even though I knew the outcome, like the cross-country gold medal, the women who won this, the, the relay the other day, mm-hmm. the first one in the U.S. has ever won gold medal in cross-country. I wanted to see that finish. So even though I knew who won, I did go back and click and, and, and just watch the end. But it's not like I watched the entire thing. And I think that the younger generation, this is just going to be the way that they consume Olympic coverage, if they're even interested, because, you know, I was doing some research uh, before we got on Volley Day just to get some numbers. And, you know, the younger demographic, the millennial demographic, um, which is the one that advertisers are, you know, most want to go after. I mean, their numbers of viewership are down 
like a quarter, I think, since the Sochi Olympics, which were the last ones, last Winter Games, and they were the Sochi Olympics were way down from the ones previous to that among that particular demographic. And I wonder, like my kids, the one who's in, you know, going to Costa Rica this week, and um, my other daughter in college. I don't, I just don't see them taking as much interest period because of the way that they they might watch something on youtube but they're just not consuming it it's just not a television experience yeah so when you say viewership you're talking about television viewership right Right. yes i am because i've read a couple articles this week about streaming and what nbc is trying to do with streaming and actually for this olympics when they were going out to advertisers, what they were trying to do was say, this is our total viewership across TV and streaming platforms, which I think has been somewhat effective. Again, if I'm if I'm reading these numbers right and if I'm listening to what they're saying, there was a quote from an NBC executive, I think in, in the advertising uh, arm there, that said, a viewer is a viewer. And I think that if you're talking to an advertiser that's sort of true that okay you're you're an advertiser you want to get your product in front of eyeballs here's how many eyeballs i think will be across all my platforms but i don't think that's completely true if you're then the advertiser and if you're trying to think about okay but which platforms and for how long and what times because that's changed dramatically like like you were saying you know maybe you're going to watch a highlight i think that you know the the millennials these days are much more likely to catch something on Snapchat. One of the stories out of the LA Times was about uh, the partnership that NBC has with Snapchat and that they've been streaming very select moments from the Olympics live on Snapchat, but it's not the whole thing. And again, we, we've got so many more options today that we, we don't have, we're not forced into waiting for the tape delay. We're not forced into four hours with commercial breaks um, because that's the only thing that you've got. And so I think there's still interest there but the question is more like the medium and what exactly it looks like and what that means for you as an advertiser if you're trying to do you know brand awareness or if you're if you're trying to figure out how to advertise a product in a way that's not disruptive because people have i think a different tolerance for advertisements today Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really interesting to me that, I, you know, if, if the interest is, is still there and maybe it's waning a little bit, um, but it's getting fragmented across multiple platforms and not constricted to this block of primetime on TV. Yeah, I, it truly complicates, I think, the hell out of advertising and making decisions about where to place um, their ads, uh, especially the, the streaming stuff, because how do you know... Um, how do you know who's watching a particular streaming segment? Uh, so what demographic are you trying to appeal to? Uh, at making those decisions, this has got to really be upending uh, all of the advertising world right now and how best to be effective and get the best ROI over where they place things. I'm trying to think about the advertising I've just noticed on, on the, the primetime broadcast because that's what I've been watching mainly. I watched some clips you know, during the day of things I wanted to see, but... I can't really. No, nothing's jumping out at me as as, as a, a big sponsor that we like. I mentioned IBM before. You know, those, I think those days are over, where it's really just one or two or three really big sponsors of these games. And so now you've got micro advertising, you know, pockets that are have to be placed in um, the different streaming areas, the different social media platforms, etc. And I just feel like I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm not in the ad world right now because that sounds just so complicated. Right. Yeah. I. 
I'm not an expert in this in this space, but I know I've you know listened to other podcasts and read some other articles um, about the the relationship of advertising and media and technology. And it seems to me that so much advertising is based on capturing your attention when you're you're in a certain you know you're viewing something or or you're reading a magazine and you're going to have a little bit of downtime and so then they want to capture your attention there and that downtime is going away like social media other technology platforms and offerings are are making it so that you don't have to have downtime mm-hmm. and that is what i think complicates it so much uh, beside trying to figure out who it is and what they're doing and and everything is they're going to click away and you know they're going to put in an ad blocker and they're going to do all these things it's like I don't want to have downtime. Um, I can move from one thing to another. Um, and, you know, there, there's a long tail to this. Advertising is not going to die immediately. We've had DVR for a long time, and there are still plenty of commercials on TV, and there are companies that are investing in that. But um, you mentioned demographics before, and the demographics of the Olympics are certainly skewed older. And so you kind of wonder at what point this might be like slowly and slowly, and then all of a sudden it falls off a cliff. Yeah, or you go the you're the route of the Masters golf tournament, which has no ads at all, and it's got that older demographic, and you know they they have enough money to underwrite it. And I don't know if the Olympics would, or they'd have sponsors, but no advertisement. But I think you're right. I think the younger generation does click away. I click away, frankly. I don't need no. to watch. I don't need to watch the commercial during the break. I'll, I'm either clicking away or I'm getting up and you know I don't know. I'm not paying attention to what's on the television. And um, and so with so many options available. Uh, I think we're going to see we're, we are seeing an evolution in advertising, and we have been since online, you know, uh, came to the fore. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to continue to see that. But I'll be interested to see how the next Olympics goes and the next Olympics goes. I think we're going to see we're already we're seeing the beginnings of a very different um, approach and very different consumption models for watching these games. And I think this is just the beginning. I really think that this is going to be radically different. Uh, maybe the games after the next games, or even you know, even even the next winter games. So that would be four years from now. Yeah, it's already changing. I mean, I I saw this during the football season. I'm sure you did too. You see them experimenting with things where it's like we're not taking a commercial break. We're just going to shift the the window of the game over here, and we're going to run an ad at the same time. So you're not going to want to go away because we're still showing the game or the event or whatever, uh, and we're going to run an ad. Uh, I think that's really interesting, um, and I think they'll you know they'll continue playing with that to the extent that they understand that there is a, a live you know TV audience or viewing audience, and then obviously the streaming and all that just you know comes alongside and creates more complication. But uh, it's it's been interesting to see some of those you know new experiments cropping up here and there. Yeah, I always wonder though how effect, like why the advertising. Why you know the companies who are advertising would want to go for that that split screen thing? So if you're watching a football game and you know you're really engrossed in it, and so instead of going away to a to a, to a full full commercial, they just split screen it. You really you're you're not going to take your eyes off the game. You're you're not going to watch that ad. I've always marveled at that. Like who who decided that was a good idea that advertising agencies would go for? Well, there's there's some of it that must be baked into. It's sort of the same thinking of, well, I'm still going to run a commercial even though some people might get up and walk away and go to the fridge or whatever during the commercial. 
it's it's sort of this brand marketing thing of like if I'm Chevy or whoever and I'm going to put these things out there and maybe you only heard it in the background but the next time you go to think about a car you're going to be like uh, Chevy um, and maybe you don't even know why but we just they get burrowed into your subconscious and um, they cross their fingers that it works yeah subliminal messaging I guess right a little obvious subliminal messaging. Well, yeah, that'll be the next step, right? Is true subliminal messaging where, you know, they don't break away from the game ever. But at the end of the game, you're like, I could really go for a Twitch I don't want right to go now. buy a Chevy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, hey, I, I would not, I, I'm not going to put that out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> I, then, you know, I think the other thing that's, going to affect advertising then is what content creators decide to do like so you know nbc is going to them and saying okay here's the viewers that we're that we're providing and again you know they they might want the split between tv and and platforms or whatever but i think as as a content creator they kind of have the same issue right is like you know how many people are going to want to watch the entire cross-country skiing race or how many people are going to want to sit down through an explanation of this and I think the challenge there is that some people do. And so you somehow have to feed the needs of the masses for all of this, like, you know, snackable or bite-sized content or whatever, quick mm -hmm. hits. And then that has to maybe lead someone down a path to where if they're a little more interested, maybe they would want a little bit more content. And then the people that want to really dig into a given topic, that still has to be there. And I, I feel this struggle with, you know, other content that we create that, Sometimes we create this long-form content, and it feels like the response is nobody reads long-form anymore, but we know that some people do. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we're, we've got this challenge of like, well, we want to reach them, but we also want to reach everybody, and we can't only do the small stuff that would reach everybody, but it wouldn't be satisfying for the people that want a little bit more detail. And I, I see a lot of interesting things happening for all kinds of content, whether it's TV or music artists that are putting out an album and then doing different um, varieties of content around that album, whether it's podcasts or other written stuff that you know their fans can come and, and consume. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in the world of content creation. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's not a lot of people that want to pay for content anymore, but the, the subscriptions to content and then the advertising that would lay on top of content um, I think that that's going to be driven a lot by the formats that people start choosing. Yeah, the menu is expanded, basically. And so um, I, I think you're right. You cannot abandon uh, um, an entire group of content consumers who maybe, like you mentioned, want to read long-form research reports. They're there. They're out there. But then again, you need to move forward and realize that there's a whole, a whole other segment of people who want to consume things in a, you know, small size and a little chunk. Um, I hate to use the word snackable or biteable, but the, those, and, and they exist too. And, and trying to appeal to all those groups kind of ups the ante on how much work you have to do and how you have to tailor things. I think there's no going back from that, though. I think that this is the way that we're going to move. And, you know, as people age out, you know, as older people become less and less a part of the population, and so maybe they're the ones who want to watch four hours of the Olympics, then maybe we do. Maybe we see a little bit of of going back to fewer forms of content because you've got a demographic that are all kind of into the short form of content. I don't know, but I think it's a, it's it's a challenge for content creators. It's a challenge for advertisers. It's a challenge for media 
who try to accommodate all of these uh, different flavors of choice that content consumers have out there. And I don't see that going away. And I think I think the Olympics, what we're seeing with the Olympics is sort of emblematic of all that change. Yeah. And the Olympics is sort of this really one-off, very unique example. You know, people have been saying for a while now that live sports is sort of the, the holdout for cord cutters and um, one of the things, one of the few remaining things that people are going to want to watch live and that they would kind of sit down and dedicate a chunk of time to. The Olympics is even beyond that as you, you know, are putting it in a different country and you've got the time zones to deal with. Uh, but I do think that it provides an interesting template for, you know, what's going on, how much interest is there, period, you know, to the question from the very beginning of the podcast here. And then how do you capture that interest and what monetary value does it hold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll have to revisit this discussion in, uh, let's see, two years and the Summer Olympics come up. Oh, gosh. We, we would only be so lucky to still be podcasting <laughs> volley in another two years. Oh, come on. <laughs> Longevity. I don't even know where the Olympics are in two years. I think they're in Beijing. Ah, uh-uh, yes. Or maybe that's right. the next Winter Olympics, or maybe it's both. I don't know. No, I think it's the Summer Olympics. I think you're right. The, the, yeah. the, the Summer Olympics in two years is in Beijing. Okay. So that'll be another uh, long distance time zone to deal with, which makes the the streaming stuff, you know, actually has been so much more effective because dealing with long time zones when it was tape delay was just so annoying. Right. All right. Well, um, sounds like you and I will be plopped down in front of the TV old style um, through the weekend watching some Olympics, probably doing some other stuff, too. But uh... My my one recommendation for the Olympics and the Winter Olympics is they need to shorten it up. It's too long. So mm. that's my my parting shot at how they're running these this year. They're too long. Uh, I think you could condense them, but they've added so many events from the uh, you know all the snowboarding and kind of X X Games type events, which I love. But adding all of those, I think, is what has contributed to the length of their the duration of these games. I'm going to issue a quick correction here in real time just so that we don't have people coming after us. The next summer games are in Tokyo. Oh, whew. So. All right. Well, we had the continent right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we knew it wasn't here in America. So. <laughs> we had the continent right, just not the country. So, all right, Tokyo. So be it. Beijing is definitely in there. Maybe, maybe you're right. Beijing has winter. Next winter, maybe, yeah. Okay. Because they just had the summer. So. Yeah, you're right. Can't keep track of it all. We've got so many other technology things to keep in our heads. We do. All righty. Well, I'm going to sign off, my friend. I want to go see if my daughter's uh, doing okay in the Panama City airport during her layover. Uh, And uh, we will catch up again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Enjoy your empty house this weekend. I will. All righty. Take care. Talk to you later.